Hello, you're listening to On Israel, Al Monitor's podcast from Tel Aviv. This is Ben Kaspit. The power couple that brought joy to millions of Americans and Israelis broke up last week when Donald Trump walked out of the White House and Joe Biden walked in. Benjamin Netanyahu lost his ally, his patron and greatest benefactor, and will now have to adjust to a new and more complex reality. American liberals are breathing a sigh of relief at having emerged from darkness into light after four years in which many of their nightmares came true. Will their brethren in Israel enjoy the same sense of salvation on the 23rd of March? And what about American Jews? 70% of them voted for Biden against Trump, while more than 70% of Israeli Jews unreservedly supported the president who couldn't stop lavishing love and gifts on them. How, how will the change in administration affect American Jewry and its relationship with Israel? Our guest today is well-versed in such issues. He is uh, familiar with American politics and its corridors of power, as well as with Israel's bizarre political arena and the increasingly troubled relationship between Israel and American Jewry. Danny Dayan was head of the Judean Samaria Settlements Council for six years and one of its most prominent faces. He is a West Bank settler himself and a right-wing ideologue. He was a staunch supporter of the Likud and Benjamin Netanyahu, who rewarded him in 2016 by appointing him as Israel's consul general to the largest, largest Jewish city in the world, New York. But earlier this month, Diane broke ranks and joined Gidon Saar's New Hope Party, challenging Netanyahu in a bitter fight for his political life or death. Danny Diane will be with us right after this short commercial break. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, On Israel with Ben Caspit and On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Shalom, Ambassador Dani Dayan, and thank you for joining Al Monitor's On Israel podcast. Shalom, Dani. Shalom, Ben. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's uh, dive to the very important issues we have to speak about. I'm sure you too are grateful to former President Trump for all the gifts he showered on Israel, such as recognition of Jerusalem and the Golan Heights, etc. I'm curious to know how you felt when you saw the events at the Capitol on January 6th? Well, obviously I felt uh, very bad. I felt uh, outraged and I felt very sad for the United States of America and its democracy and its institutions, its glorious institutions. 
But you know, Ben, it's part of the paradox, it's part of, part of the conflict that existed the, the entire four years of President Donald J. Trump. On one hand, we cannot and we should not uh, deny that he was a diplomatic miracle for the state of Israel. Uh, the thing that you call them gifts, I would say the, the political, the, the, the diplomatic dividends that uh, Israel uh, received from that presidency are beyond any wild, uh, wildest imagination from Jerusalem uh, to the Golan Heights to the legality of the Israeli communities in Judea and Samaria, the withdrawal from the bad JCPOA with Iran and um, the Abraham Accords and even I would say the elimination of uh, one of the most evil persons in the Middle East, uh, Qasem Soleimani. So the dividends were beyond any imagination. On the other hand, and we shouldn't deny that too, uh, he was a, a car wreck for American democracy. Not only for American democracy, for the, you know, the civility of the political discourse in, in America, he was a disaster. So yeah, that is the paradox in which, with which we lived those four years. And uh, both sides of that uh, paradox, of that contradiction, are similarly genuine, are similarly true. Yes, uh, I think the, the, the expression mixed emotions is very precise in this issue. And now we are the, the spoiled child that uh, just had uh, four years bar mitzvah trip. And, we, and I want to ask you, how do you think Israel can adjust to the change from Trump to Biden and overcome the major hangover it experienced after parting with Trump or actually how will it deal with the inevitable withdrawal symptoms of the addiction to Trump? Well, it will be different. No doubt it will be different, a completely different administration. But you know, Ben, I see the Biden-Harris administration and I believe this is the way Israel should look at it. Not so much, not at all actually, as a crisis, but as an opportunity. I think uh, we had uh, one more opportunity to amend, to repair our relations with the Democratic Party. And if I look, you know, at the, uh, the gallery of candidates that the Democratic Party presented in its primary elections, uh, 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 for president, I think that uh, the Biden-Harris ticket is the best democratic ticket we could expect regarding Israel. I think that uh, Joe Biden has really a, a, a love for Israel, I would say, from his, from his guts. Um, the, you know, there are persons that say that uh, uh, the Biden administration will be a third uh, Barack Obama administration, I think that's uh, completely wrong. Uh, I would say that uh, it would be more accurate to define it, to describe it as a third Bill Clinton administration. I see much more similarity between Joe Biden in general in, and, and regarding Israel in particular. I see uh, much more similarity between Joe Biden and Bill Clinton 
than between uh, uh, Joe Biden and the president he served for, for eight years as his very loyal vice president, uh, Barack Obama. So we uh, have to understand it will be different, but uh, it will not be a, a, at, all, at all a disaster if we know how to work with the Biden administration, obviously. I think it's a brilliant comparison. Uh, I, I used to be uh, in the, in the United States to serve as uh, Marif's new bureau chief when uh, Clinton appeared on 1991. And people forgot, Danny, that although he was a Democrat, uh, Bill Clinton was, was a very popular uh, American president in Israel. Uh, the Israelis That's loved right. him. And uh, I, I hope very much that you are uh, right. But, uh, but let's, uh, let's go uh, into resolutions, dive into the details. Let's talk about the Iranian issue. Because uh, while I agree with you that Biden is a true uh, Israel supporter and he declared himself as a Zionist, uh, I think Israel ex is extremely worried about the Iranian issue. The fact that most of the Obama people involved in negotiating the nuclear deal have been reappointed to senior positions raise, uh, raises concerns that Biden will simply just go back to the original deal without taking advantage of the levers and advantages achieved by the Trump's uh, maximum pressure policy. Do you share these concerns? Uh, to a certain extent. Uh, look, uh, first of all, I, I believe that the Iranian issue, the Iranian file, will be the only Middle Eastern issue or the only issue regarding Israel that President Biden will tackle in 2021. Uh, I don't think that, I believe that all other issues will be relegated uh, to, a, to the future, if at all. Uh, but the Iranian issue is urgent because the clock is ticking and he would like to prevent any friction that can become even a military friction in the Middle East. Uh, uh, so he will be, uh, 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 he will have to, to deal with that. Now, look, we, the, the question is a question of expectations. If the expectation is that uh, President Biden will declare tomorrow morning that he uh, doesn't intend to join to rejoin the JCPOA, then we will be disappointed. But that is not my expectation. Um, my expectation is that, as in with any other democratic president, I mean that was there was no differences of opinion on that in in the in the democratic debates. Uh, any American, even democratic president, will strive to rejoin the JCPOA. Now, what should be Israel's uh, strategy or tactic? Israel's strategy should be to convince uh, uh, the administration, and I believe it will be a quite easy task, to diplomatically convince the administration that they have to negotiate toughly a return to the, the JCPOA, not to return to, to the JCPOA as is, but to uh, uh, start a, a very tough negotiation in which some clauses, especially the sunset clauses, but not only them, will be uh, changed. Uh, they will be adapted to the new reality and to the calendar. Uh, and the second thing to expand the scope of the JCPOA, including uh, in ballistic missiles, the, the, the spread of terrorism in the area, et cetera, et cetera. I think that is an achievable uh, goal. I was very encouraged by the things that said that Secretary of State or, or nominated Secretary of State Blinken said in Congress in, in the Senate in his uh, confirmation hearing, um, even also, also 
Avril Haines, the, the director of national intelligence said similar things. So I'm quite encouraged that we can achieve that. Uh, by the way, it doesn't contradict uh, the, the traditional policy of Prime Minister Netanyahu of fix it or nix it. We, I don't think we can expect the Biden administration to nix it. So we should work with this Biden administration to fix it. Let's uh, talk about something you just mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. And uh, I think you are a, a very good expert in this issue as uh, Israel's former consul general in New York. And I wanted to ask you, can Israel, uh, Andrew Netanyahu, heal the rift with the Democratic Party after Netanyahu's total alliance uh, uh, to the Republican in recent years? And maybe also, how do you think the Democrats' progressive wing which is identified mostly with harsh criticism of Israel, will affect Biden's policy. What should Israel be doing to neutralize the influence of lawmakers such as uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and other members of the so-called squad? I was very encouraged by the nominations that uh, President Biden, President-elect Biden at that time made uh, for the top cabinet posts. Um, no, I didn't uh, detect uh, in uh, his cabinet nominations even one person not only aligned with uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez or others, but not even aligned with uh, Bernie Sanders and not even aligned with Elizabeth Warren. Uh, all uh, his nominations uh, for the top uh, cabinet posts were mainstream Democrats. And that is uh, very encouraging. I think that uh, uh, President Biden made a clear decision um, to face uh, the center of the American uh, political spectrum to try to work with the moderate Republicans and with moderate Democrats at the expense of the radical uh, Democrats. By the way, in that sense, in debilitating and weakening uh, the, the, radical ra the radical wing of the Democratic Party, I believe that Israel and Biden have a common uh, interest and probably in some ways uh, we will cooperate even ex implicitly on that. But the question that you raised, Ben, is very serious. Yes, uh, unfortunately, Israel, uh, the Prime Minister, the Embassy in Washington um, are uh, uh, perceived as almost uh, carrying a, a, a Republican Party membership card for the last at least 12 years. And uh, that is the problem. I am a big believer in the, in the, in the vitality for Israel uh, to be uh, uh, bipartisan. And uh, look, uh, we have to, to, to work with Democrats, to to outreach to them, to have a constant dialogue. I did it in New York. I think that for every Republican that I met in New York and the other areas I covered, I met uh, five or six Democrats. Uh, uh, I had excellent relations with them. Um, I must say that uh, uh, it's not enough to expect the Democratic Party and the Democrats to understand Israel. We have to make an effort to understand the new Democratic Party, and I am sure, I'm not sure we do. I will explain briefly what I mean. In order to understand, to, to connect with the new Democratic Party and the new Democratic ideology, is not enough to, you know, to, 
to to remember uh, Martin Luther King Day or to uh, say something about to pay lip service to LGBTQ rights. Uh, it's much more than that. Uh, we have to really try to understand the new African-American narrative um, of systemic racism is something that Israelis, I am afraid, do not understand. We have to strive to understand the, the, the Latino, uh, the American Latino uh, uh, way of thinking about immigration, that there is no an illegal person, but there is an only an undocumented person. Um, all those things are things that uh, we should work hard to internalize. First of all, the Israeli diplomats, the Israeli politicians, decision makers, and we have to understand the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party in 2021 is not anymore just about uh, uh, the American dream and uh, uh, some uh, grains of uh, social justice. It's something completely different that I am afraid most Israelis, including most Israeli decision makers, do not understand. And the last thing that we have to do, and we will talk about that, I believe, in a minute, is to reconnect with liberal Jews. This is exactly my next question. By the way, this was a very interesting, uh, uh, thorough analysis uh, from you right now. And I want to speak uh, to, with you to, to, uh, about another issue that I know is very close to your heart, the relationship between Netanyahu's right-wing conservative Israel and American Jewry. Uh, this is an issue close to you, and it's not a secret that under Netanyahu, a worrying gap has opened up between reform and conservative Jews and the Israeli establishment. Can this gap be bridged? Well, you know, Ben, uh, I will give you a scoop. I had a very harsh, uh, difficult uh, arguments with the prime minister regarding uh, the American Jewry. Um, I think that the, the, the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Netanyahu lost uh, his uh, belief on the, uh, 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 on the future of the non-Orthodox uh, Jewish community. And uh, I think that there is nothing uh, more wrong than that. Uh, you know, um, my, my, my belief is that the relationship between Israel and the, the world Jewry is not a commercial transaction. We give them, they give us money and political support and we give them, I don't know, pride, pride or, or, or a refuge in the day, a shelter in day of need, etc. It's, we, we can't see that as a, 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 a commercial transaction that it is, if it's not good enough, we go to, we make a deal with the evangelicals. Um, we have to see um, the, the, the relation in a completely different level. I, uh, uh, I, but, you know, it's easy, uh, and I do blame the government, but it's not only the government. I think that the Israeli society in general is very, is completely indifferent um, to, the, to the American, to the world jury, to the American jury. Um, is not an issue that uh, uh, the, the, the average Israeli cares about at all. I uh, always uh, love to quote my political mentor, uh, Menachem Begin, 
uh, in one of his speeches, uh, as far as 1948, uh, he said uh, the Mediterranean Sea, the sea is not the border of our people. We have brothers, uh, uh, not only uh, in all over the world, and uh, uh, we should uh, educate Israelis. Uh, and they feel, the American Jews feel that there is a kind of indifference from the politicians in Israel, but also from the general society. And that creates a very serious problem that, uh, you know, enlarges all the, the problems. Uh, when there is a crisis, uh, the crisis is blown up because of the feeling of indifference. I, 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 I plan now to move to the domestic Israeli politics, but I have to, to follow up on this so important issue. You know, people uh, and, and Israelis that uh, live in the United States, they, they fear that we are losing the new generation of American Jews. I'm, I'm talking, of course, about the non-Orthodox Jews, the millennials, the young uh, Jews in the United States that most of them never visited Israel. We are 80 years from the Holocaust now. It's not, we cannot use it anymore as a, as a tool to get us uh, closer and, and maybe, do, you, do you imagine a possibility that uh, the vast majority, the, the, the democratic voters, the, uh, the democratic Jewish voters who, who are 70% of the American Jewry will just lose interest in Israel in the only Jewish state on earth? Look, right now, Ben, uh, this is not the situation. Uh, the, the, the American Jewish community is closely uh, attached to the state of Israel. I saw it so many times. I saw the Israeli flag in every single uh, uh, shul, in every single synagogue uh, uh, across the United States, reform, conservative, modern orthodox. Uh, I, I, I will never forget in my entire life uh, the Shabbat, the Saturday, uh, after, immediately following the massacre in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, one week later, the entire community gathered in Rodev Shalom Synagogue in Pittsburgh, uh, a very long service, uh, a reform synagogue, a very long service with, uh, with speeches and with uh, songs. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, uh, four or five hours, the service, and it ended with, uh, I don't know if it was spontaneous or not, but it doesn't matter. It ended with one anthem, and that anthem was a tikva. Uh, uh, so they are very attached to Israel. But yes, we have a problem with the uh, younger generation. Um, as I said, part of it is because Israel doesn't invest uh, uh, at all in that. And the, that, the other reason, which is, uh, is the crisis of American Jewish education. I think that the most acute crisis of the American uh, Jewry is the crisis of the American Jewish education, which is tremendously expensive, tremendously expensive, and doesn't allow uh, for many uh, youngers to get a proper uh, Jewish education. Jewish, I mean, not the necessary religious education. But, uh, you know, Ben, I will sum it up uh, this way. Uh, what really, I, I'm not so much, I'm not so bothered about the, 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 the next week uh, crisis with the American Jewry. Uh, and I'm not so worried about the headline in Al Monitor or in Forward about the crisis, uh, this crisis or that crisis, conversion, cotton, etc., etc. What really keeps me uh, literally uh, awake at night sometimes 
is what will be written in the Jewish history book that will be written 70 or 80 years from now. I am scared, I am really afraid that uh, we will read in that book that during the 21st century, um, the Jewish people split into two uh, unconnected tribes or worse than that, that a very large tribe, uh, we lost it. And uh, I think that that is the, respons the responsibility of the state of Israel to prevent that. And I don't see that the state of Israel does what it should do in that respect. So I, hope, I hope you will be able to, uh, to influence uh, after the election uh, through uh, your, the post you'll get or not get in the new government because it is important to all of us, not only to right-wingers or lefties. Of course. And to all of us, and I'm I'm a, I'm a, a partner to your uh, to your feelings here. And let's move uh, to this uh, to the domestic issue in Israel. As soon as you announced you were going uh, or joining Gidon Saar, you were immediately accused of treason against the Likud. So I wanted to ask you why did you go uh, with Gidon Saar, and do you think uh, Gidon Saar is ready for this incredibly complex job of Israeli prime minister? And will he know how to square the circle and make the ultra-Orthodox join a government with the anti-clerical parties of Lieberman, Yael Lapid, etc.? Look, uh, I, my last month in, in New York, uh, it was a gradual uh, process. But during my last month in New York, and since I returned to Israel, I felt extremely uncomfortable with the way that Benjamin Netanyahu manages the, the, the state affairs. Um, uh, I, 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 I uh, was disappointed, especially by the last government, 36 ministers, eight deputy ministers, uh, what we call in Israel the Norwegian law that uh, added even more uh, uh, unnecessary uh, Knesset members to the parliament. And then uh, the fact that, uh, you know, in cold blood, uh, uh, Netanyahu decided um, something that is really inconceivable and uh, not to legislate the state budget, uh, something that really I, I, I couldn't. And, and, and above all, uh, the, you know, the, the, the dividing and the, the violent discourse uh, that emanated uh, uh, from his uh, office and from his loyalists. But yes, I also feel it now and my daughter feels it. Uh, uh, in harsh uh, insults and things like that, because we dare to, to either to join the, a different party. I know Gidon, the moment Gidon Saab declared, announced that he's uh, forming his new party, New Hope for Israel, I, I knew immediately, first of all, that I, I at last have a party, I, I have for whom to vote. Um, uh, uh, I uh, felt completely uh, disappointed from Likud that I knew that I cannot vote for it. But for instance, in the previous election, I didn't think that Benny Gantz is, is the proper place, to, the proper person to replace, the capable person to replace uh, Netanyahu. The moment Dido Saad declared his candidacy, I knew that I have found the person I want to be the next Prime Minister of Israel. Then when Gidon Saar, whom I know more than 30 years, um, called me and asked me to join the, the, the list of candidates, I, I, I agreed, I think, I thought it was my responsibility to, 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 to contribute my share. 
Uh, yes, I know Gideon Saab for 35 years since he was a teenager. I know that he has uh, an incredible intellectual capabilities. Uh, he has uh, a quiet leadership. Um, he has uh, 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 the ability uh, to make decisions. And uh, finally, last but definitely not least, um, he has a, a, a personal and moral integrity um, uh, that is very needed. So yes, uh, I believe he has all the all the uh, qualifications to be a, a, an extremely good uh, prime minister of Israel. So my final question to you this uh, today, uh, Ambassador Dani Dayan, is uh, actually, in fact, what's the difference between Netanyahu's Likud and Saar's New Hope? Victor Lieberman, for example, said that uh, replacing Netanyahu with uh, Gideon Saar is not enough. The entire regime has to be changed. And uh, for example, the ultra-Orthodox must be distanced from positions of influence in order to save them from themselves, etc. Gideon Saar as a prime minister, what will be the, the acute change between him and what we see now uh, from Netanyahu? Well, first of all, you know, I think that uh, Netanyahu isn't able to form a government. So uh, uh, New Hope, that's the reason we go to a, a, a new round of elections, a fourth round of election in, in, in less than two years. Uh, uh, that's exactly the reason. And uh, that nothing has changed in that respect. I think that Gidon Sal will be able to form, is the only person that is able to form a stable coalition. And by the way, he will have, in my opinion, several options for, for at least two, two options for coalitions, not necessarily uh, 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 the coalition that uh, uh, Victor Lieberman referred to. Uh, you know, all the parties that were in the past members of Netanyahu's coalitions, uh, including Lapid and others, are uh, candidates for for our uh, for Gideon Starr's coalition. But I think that, the, you know, uh, uh, I would say two very important things uh, uh, that make the difference between New Hope and, and, and the current Likud. Uh, first of all, you know, Menachem Begin always uh, uh, referred to his party as a national liberal party. Uh, we are a national liberal party. Uh, Likud uh, has forgotten what uh, liberal means. Um, and uh, also the, the uh, you know, the, the way that uh, um, Netanyahu corrupted the, the Israeli politics, making it a politics, first of all, of personal interests, a politics, politics of uh, uh, harsh words and, and insults and, and division. Uh, we will change that. Uh, uh, in, we will change that. We are uh, uh, loyal to, uh, you know, it's a, 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 what Zev Jabotinsky uh, called Hadar, which is a, a kind of gentlemanship that uh, uh, we are all committed to. Um, so I think that the uh, Sar government will bring a new political culture, a new political, a, a cleaner politics to the state of Israel, a, 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 a politics of unity and not of division like uh, Likud and Netanyahu have done during the last years. And all of this will be decided on uh, March 23rd. Ambassador Dani Dayan, it was very interesting. I thank you very much for joining us. We will get now, uh, go now to a, another a very short break. 
and we'll be uh, back soon with some final thoughts. Thank you, Danny. Toda v'shalom. Thank you, Ben. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site, El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something and you will never be bored because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Thank you for staying with us. In my opinion, one of the most interesting parts of this talk with Ambassador Danny Dayan was when we dealt and spoke about the widening gap between Israel and liberal Jews in the United States. Ambassador Dayan told us about a series of harsh, difficult arguments that he had with Prime Minister Netanyahu. According to Dayan, Uh, Netanyahu lost his belief in the future of the non-Orthodox Jews in the United States. This is a huge headline. For decades, this uh, American jury, most of the Jews in, in the United States are not Orthodox, was regarded one of the most important strategic assets of Israel abroad and, and, and in, in its existence, in its very existence, and suddenly the Prime Minister uh, wipes it uh, out of the map. Ambassador Dayan, of course, uh, says that uh, Bibi is wrong, and he believes, he's a huge believer in the future of the American Jewry. Uh, he's not too worried about the growing uh, influence of the progressive uh, part of the Democratic Party, a.k.a. the squad. And he says, uh, Ambassador Dayan, that he is very encouraged by the, the most of the uh, President Biden's cabinet uh, fresh nominations that belong to what he calls the mainstream of the Democratic uh, Party. Ambassador Dayan acknowledges that uh, the reality in the last four years what, uh, was that uh, there was an impression that from Prime Minister Netanyahu and South, uh, including uh, Ambassador Dermer here in Washington, uh, Israel actually carried a membership card of the Republican Party, but he thinks this can be fixed. Israel, uh, says uh, Ambassador Dayan, have to try to understand and speak the new language of the new Democratic Party and try to understand the new narrative of this party, and it's possible. Ambassador Dayan has mixed emotions about switching between the Trump administration and the Biden administration. On one hand, he's grateful to whatever President Trump did for the state of Israel. On the other hand, 
he was deeply shocked uh, when he watched like uh, all of us the Capitol Hill uh, under attack and under siege by the Trump supporters. He thinks that uh, Biden will not be a new uh, Barack Obama, but maybe he hopes Biden is going to be a new Bill Clinton regarding Israel. And uh, Clinton was one of the most popular American presidents in Israel. So actually, uh, Ambassador Dayan is uh, hopeful. And he also thinks that uh, Gidon Saar, uh, the leader of the party that he just joined, has a, a very good chance uh, to try and switch and, and uh, become Israel's next prime minister uh, after the election in uh, March 23rd. He thinks that Tsar will bring the same uh, right-wing ideology, but it will be a lot cleaner and uh, more democratic. I hope it was un- uh, interesting, and I hope you, uh, to hear from you all here at the same time um, next Monday on Israel, I'll monitor. I'm Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. Take care.